you know, with Elizabeth, I had uh, found a best friend in her. And I, so losing them as a couple that we didn't have the greatest swinging relationship with was, I felt like I was losing a friend and I didn't want to let that go. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We always strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy and positive approach to non-monogamy. However, everyone approaches this a little different, and at its core, our show is about hearing and learning from the different experiences and approaches people have. With that in mind, it's important to remember that the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect those of our own. It's also important to remember that we aren't doctors or therapists and that we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on this show. One final thing that we need to let you know about is that this podcast will hopefully include some explicit language. So, if that kind of thing offends you, we suggest you just keep listening until it no longer does. However, if you're under the age of 18, you should probably stop listening or gather up your parents and listen as a family. Enjoy! Welcome to episode 61! Woo woo! Woo woo woo! Today's a really special day. Right? Yeah, it's an anniversary of sorts. Yeah. First off, we're Finn and Emma, and today marks one year anniversary, the one year anniversary for our podcast. 61 episodes in one year. Yeah. That's not too shabby. It's pretty awesome. So, what are we doing today that, that's even more special? We've got some, our very first ever two time guests. Yes. So, Anyone who's listened to the show, if you listened to episode two, you heard the story of Taylor and Ryan. Our very first guests and the very first supporters of the show. Yes. So thank you to them. <laughs> they hate it when we thank them so yeah, much. But thank you to them. And, <laughs> and guess what? Today's a repeat guest of their, they get to share more of their story. Yeah. Their story has evolved quite a bit since the days of a year ago. Yeah. A lot. And so it's really fascinating to hear where they're at and they share a lot of uh, emotional and deep stuff with us. So it's, it was an awesome conversation. They actually flew all the way down to Argentina with us back in February not with us, to meet us. To meet us. Yes. In February, and this was recorded then, so... Live in a vineyard, or near a vineyard. In a vineyard. We were in the yeah. vineyard. Yeah, the Airbnb was in the vineyard. It was amazing. So... And we we're so grateful that they came down. It was a lot of fun. So, yeah, so that's awesome, and the, the interview is awesome. Uh, before we before we dig into it, uh, we did want to say a couple of thank yous to people that made us getting here much easier yes. than it would have been. Yes. Bear with us for just a minute. We really want to make sure to thank these people. So in a particular order of sorts, the first one is a handful of friends that really without them, we wouldn't be here because we kind of relied on them early on to help get the ball rolling. Yeah. So the first ones, Taylor and Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you, Taylor and Ryan. The second one. Phoenix and Beast. Phoenix and Beast. So, yeah, that one was really fun because uh, we reached out to them. We we're like, hey, we're, we were thinking about doing this podcast. And like, yeah, we'll do it. Let's do it right now. And we basically did it like a day later. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. So that was fun. Uh, Sadie and Todd. Yes. Episode uh, 10, I think. Something uh, I like think, that. Of course. Very good friends of ours. Wonderful people and always very supportive of everything. It was episode 10. Good job. 
We've got Steph and Dave. Also very good friends. Very supportive as well. Episode 23. So you're going to want to listen to that one. Very <laughs> fun one. We, we were a little buzzed. Also an in-person interview. So was Sadie and Todd. Yes. Yep. Then we've got Abby and Justin. Episode 30... You're falling behind. Slack one, off. 31. <laughs> so, yeah. They, they've they also been big supporters of the show. So thank you to all of the friends that we pulled on. And I'm sure there are more, too. And I'm sorry if we've missed anybody. But those are the ones that we know early, early on really supported us. And we just wanted to make sure to mention them. Next up. Next up, we have a, a special shout out to Adam of Adam and Eve. Not the, the, not the spiritual swingers. The spiritual swingers. Not not the actual Adam and Eve. We're not that Because deep. they were confused. They might have been. So <laughs> early on, very, very early on, uh, we did like a pilot, test pilot episode that we mm-hmm. recorded our episode one. And we sent it out to a handful of people. And Adam was really the only one, I think, that really responded back. I mean, some of the other ones were like, yeah, it sounds awesome. But yeah. he wrote like a five-page report on the <laughs> On the episode. Maybe not that, but he wrote at least four, four and a half pages. five paragraph email, maybe. Yeah. So it was awesome that, you know, people that he'd never met or didn't know anything about, he took the time and energy to do that. So thank you to them. And they also came on the show. That was episode, I don't know. Hold on. It's in here. 16. Okay. Now that people are asleep. <laughs> So then we've got a couple other podcasters and content creators that either came on the show really early or had us on their show really early without even really knowing who we no. are. Basically, like within the, we didn't even have any episodes out and we were reaching out to people to ask them and people, the yeah, yeah. podcasters and other people just so getting that, came on the show. Getting that early support from the community was huge. So in, in no particular order, but. Uh, Swinging Down Under and Priory Society both came on the show and had us on their show yep. right, right out of the gate. And yes. that was really awesome to uh-huh. both of them to help get our name out there. And by the by, came on our show and actually we had to record it twice because of internet difficulties. Yep. So actually I'm bummed about that because I had one of my best jokes ever on our first one oh. and it wasn't salvageable. So well, no one will ever know. Nope. You'll have to just make more jokes. Not likely. <laughs> so then we have Monogamy Disrupted. They discontinued their show, but Nadia and Malik came on. They were episode three. Mm-hmm. And yeah, right out of the gate. Super awesome. Super supportive. Um, we got a thing. Put us in their newsletter pretty yep. early on. Yep. So that was awesome, too. One, maybe in the first month or two, we were yeah. in our newsletter. So that was awesome to get their support. And then there was a handful of podcasts that we actually were lucky in, enough to go on. And that was, I don't know, it was really actually kind of crazy to me to think that we were on these other people's podcasts. But not as crazy as the fact that we have a podcast. No, it's also a little crazy. <laughs> but So very early, I mean, again, some of these people, we were nobody. We yeah. They didn't know anything about us. So one of them was uh, Gay Talk. 2.0. Uh-huh. It's a podcast. Um, it's a super fun podcast. Yeah, they're, they're awesome people. We wrote to them, and they interviewed us and had us on our 
our show launched the week after our interview with them aired. So we didn't even have a podcast when yeah. they interviewed us. Yeah. So that was super awesome. So thank you to them and for having us on to mm-hmm. talk. And you can listen to the show even if you're not gay. I I asked them <laughs> that. They said it was fine. So they're yeah. awesome people. Next up is Life on the Swing Set. They have been very instrumental in our journey throughout the last almost 10 years and yep. nine years. And they had us on an episode in the middle of June. So while well, we recorded it in June, it came out a couple of months. I think in ago. August or yeah. something, there was an episode. Yeah. So that was really neat to be on there. Part of their round table discussion. Yeah. That was actually, yeah, that was like crazy after listening to them for so many years and then be like on their show. We're on the show. Baby. <laughs> uh, let's see. Two married sluts had us on. I think they're rebranding their show name. Uh, they're sort of in between seasons right now. I was looking at it the other day, but uh, Bowie and Tristan, awesome ladies, doing awesome good work out there in the the Northwest. What are you doing? I looked up the Life on a Swing Set real quick. They are episode three hundred and thirty-two, and it came out on September tenth, twenty eighteen. And, and two married sluts. We were episode three on July thirteenth. Yeah. Something like that. So if you're curious about hearing more about us, go check those episodes out. The other ones, uh, just recently we were on Front Porch Swingers. And at the end of December, we were on Sex Out Loud with Tristan Taramino. And on Christmas Day, we did our very special... Christmas Day release. Christmas uh, cheer-up-a-thon with the bed hoppers. Yes. If you are... Needed, uh, yeah, something to cheer you up or love something to laugh at. Go listen to Bed Hopper's Christmas Day episode because we share a bunch of bloopers on both sides. Yeah, and and spoiler alert, we're already scheduled to do it again for 2019. Yeah, so we will see you again on Christmas, Bed Hoppers. It's a date. Uh huh. And yeah, I think that's pretty much. Yeah, yes. we we don't want to keep talking at you before we get you into the Taylor and Ryan. Version 2.0. But again, just thank you to everybody uh, who made us being here possible. Yeah. Thank you for all your listeners. Like, thank you for reaching out and telling, like, if you just wanted to say hi to us or tell your story and come on the show. Like, that has been how this show has succeeded. Yeah, I think anybody, you know, we've had a lot of listeners. A lot of our episodes are listeners who just reached out and said, hey, I want to tell my story. And I think we're honored that anybody would trust their story with us yeah so thank you to them thank you if you wrote in gave us feedback mm-hmm. thank you if you just said hello we, anybody who left a review yeah. anybody who left a review that's awesome yeah and also anybody who used the links on our resources page thank you for signing up in, with casty links or using our uh std check links yep both of those really support the show and you know it's awesome plus you get tested so yay (laughs) or join cassidy so yeah i think maybe with that we should go hear what taylor and ryan have to say and once again thank you to them for for coming on the show (laughs) so yeah let's go hear what they have to say and we will see you on the other side yeah so now we'll be trans or transported all to argentina in february which is the middle of summer so it was about 105 degrees (laughs) and a little warm okay let's go Take four. So live on tape from <laughs> San Rafael, Argentina. We've got some repeat visitors. We flew them in just for this interview. Uh, uh, yeah, kind of not true, but. 
Taylor and Ryan, thank you for coming back on the show to share the one-year update on the one-year anniversary of our little podcast. And maybe more importantly, thank you for being the very first people to put your faith in us and come on the show and share your story so we could actually have a podcast. Yeah, no kidding. Thank you. (laughs) Of course. We're happy to be here. And the four of us are currently sitting in Argentina in a vineyard in an Airbnb. And uh, Finn and I have been traveling South America for a little while, and they decided to come visit for a few days, which was amazing. And we've been having a lot of fun wine tasting and hopefully rafting tomorrow and just hanging out. So thanks for making the trip. It was a long trip. Yeah, I know. (laughs) But the interviews must go on, and our Wi-Fi is not good, so you had to come in person. So so what what has happened in the one year since we last talked to you? And maybe real quick for anybody who hasn't listened to episode two, a quick synopsis would be you've been together for roughly 15 years, and 10, 11 or so years into that you started exploring swinging together and did that for a few years and now the story and the dynamic has shifted a little. Yeah. So when we podcasted with you guys last, we, we had cut our story a few months prior to what was actually happening. You know, we weren't quite comfortable telling you, um, cause we were in the waves and throws of switching our non-monogamy from swinging to polyamory. I don't think we even really knew what was happening at the time, to be perfectly honest. Right. So we just couldn't talk about it then. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. It was only like two months into it all. So. Right. We, we had no clue what we were doing. <laughs> so what? What now that you've been able to, a year into it or so, look back, I guess, can you take us through, like, what was the the catalyst for the change and and how did that come about? So if you have listened to episode six of Jake and Elizabeth, um, we had met them um, in the really early part of the year, and um, we had kind of taken them under our wing swinging, and things became, um, I had a really great relationship with them, and I got to a point that I wasn't ready to let go. Um, well, the, the reason you would were ta- having to think about that was there wasn't, as often happens, and, and it's something that we struggle with too, is there's not always a, f- a great four-way connection. And it's, it's not that it's something wrong with one person or two people. It's just, it's, I have to like both the woman and the man, and Emma has to like the woman and the man, and they have to like both. It's just... There's so many connections that have to happen to make that work. Right. And we struggled with that our entire swinging career, like most people did. Mm-hmm. Not that it was a career, not like we had stats <laughs> or anything. I mean, we do have stats, but it's you don't need good, to know those numbers. Um, <laughs> you know. Um, but finding that four-way connection is difficult. Right. And I had, you know, with Elizabeth, I had uh, found a best friend in her, and I so losing them as a couple that we didn't have the greatest swinging relationship with was, I felt like I was losing a friend and I didn't want to let that go. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we kind of turned to, you know, maybe I, we should start doing this a little bit more separately. Mm-hmm. You know, what is, what does separate swinging feel like? What does separate play feel like? You know, we had always struggled a bit with me being the pusher and, 
Ryan being the polar and, you know, having to work through that as a couple. And we're kind of at the point where like we wanted to give each other a little bit more happiness and a little bit more freedom because we're feeling a little bit restrained. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's something that, I mean, that's something that we saw too, right. And knowing you guys for a few years is that Ryan likes to make a little bit, it, it takes a little longer for him to make that connection to where he wants to move to the sexual side of things. And you moved at slightly different speeds in that, seemed to be a point of contention. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't just like, and with this particular couple, it wasn't a slight difference that we could just move on. It was a pretty large difference. You know, it was past the point that we had made the decision to try to separately play mm-hmm. and to have separate relationships. Um, so we we kind of went our, with each other's um, Blessing, I hate that word though. <laughs> Which is others' consent and a ton of conversation and a, a lot of conversation, more conversation than I could possibly go through. Probably every conversation for a few months was centered around it. Yeah, and I, I would like to say that like it was a very slow process. Like right. it started off with I wanted Taylor to be able to maintain her connection, so because um, you wanted to see her happy. Yeah, I wanted to see her happy, and and so. Uh, I encouraged her to continue this on like a, you know, every other month kind of basis. Like she can go off and have fun with them and sort of over the period of the year that frequency increased and sort of our boundaries and rules decreased. And it was a very slow evolution. Mm -hmm. Right. So as I saw Jake and Elizabeth more, uh, Brian decided to date on his own as well. And his frequency increased with how often he was meeting women and... Which, which was a challenge. Like, just letting me, letting me do that was a, was a huge challenge. Right. Even just asking each other for, can I go on a date tomorrow? You know, like, this is going to take away time from this other thing that we normally have. Even asking the question was challenging, you know, not for, not the person just responding, but for the person asking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's been something that we face to this day. Like it's, it's hard in swinging. You're not asking to take something from your partner. Like you're asking to do something together, but in our, our life, you know, we have childcare responsibilities and whatnot. Like for me to go on an extra date means that, Taylor has to watch the kids by herself and, mm-hmm. and vice versa. So like everything we do is it's an ask and mm-hmm. it's not easy necessarily. Right. And I, f- I feel like that's actually very, um, that makes our relationship is not just polyamory. Now it's hierarchical polyamory. Um, our, our relationships now are hierarchical mm-hmm. and we, we maintain ours as a primary relationship. Yeah. So I guess it was a very slow evolution throughout that last year. Where are you at right now? Um, So for myself, um, I have Ryan as my primary partner and Jake and Elizabeth are my secondary partners. And so we have a, um, a triad. Mm -hmm. But you, but you're not just a triad. You also have separate relationships with Jake and with Elizabeth separately. Right. So um, triads are very interesting. Um, obviously we're not a closed triad, uh, cause I have, um, Ryan in my life, but you know, I go on dates separately with, um, 
Jake and with Elizabeth and they, you know, they have their own marriage and hierarchical primary relationship as well and children, mm-hmm. you know, so that makes it very interesting. So sometimes the three of us go out or sometimes it's just the two of us. Yeah. And Ryan? Um, I currently have a girlfriend in addition to Taylor, my wife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I have a girlfriend that I've been dating for a little over six months now and things have been really great. Yeah, and so I guess maybe is it possible to, to back up a little and talk about, like, the 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 shift from, you know, you were doing, you were doing swinging together, right? When it's time to go, you're going to go to an event, you get ready together, and you go together, and you have fun together, and you come home together. And the shift from that to one of you is going and one of you is not, and, like, how, how did that impact your relationship and did it force you to like come together at other times and in different ways to sort of balance out the what was a a together activity has now become a a separate activity right so we did we do have a lot more dates with each other now um it was something that was actually extremely important to me personally um i've there's, I forgot which non-monogamy book there is, but one of the big ones talks about a study of monkeys that you they fed them both cucumbers mm-hmm. and um, they were both satisfied eating cucumbers and they could see each other through the, the glass eating mm-hmm. cucumbers. And then they started feeding one of them grapes, which was a dessert treat. And the other one starts freaking out. He didn't, like want, they, the he didn't want the cucumbers anymore. The, the, he wants the dessert treat too. Mm-hmm. You know, So seeing each other go get grapes with somebody else made us freak out about our cucumbers at home. <laughs> so we were like, that's it. We need to go out and find that bunch of grapes together. Mm-hmm. Even though Ryan has a nice cucumber. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lovely cucumber. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> Stay in the fact. It's very crunchy. <laughs> oh, my God. I want to get that looked at. <laughs> <laughs> no biting the cucumber. <laughs> how? I don't know. So, how is that for you, Ryan? Like navigating the, I guess, differences in separate versus alone play, or separate versus together play. For me, honestly, play is such a small part of it. Like uh, Taylor goes out on a date, and I know she's having sex, and it's not really that takes nothing out of me that takes no emotional energy whatsoever it's really about time management and like the hours of the day and uh elizabeth and jake live a little ways away so taylor needs to leave to try to beat traffic at like 4 30 so i have to take off work a little bit early to make it work it's about time management time management has been like a hundred percent. Google calendar. I didn't realize how reliant poly people are on it. And they, I mean, we absolutely have become Google calendar experts because of it. We didn't really put stuff on our calendar before. We just kind of, yeah. you know, randomly a thing or two, but now my calendar is color coded and I can like switch on somebody's calendar and switch off. And like, it's, it's, it's complex. Yeah. <laughs> Because that's how you make it all work. That's how we make it work. That's how we keep things. Um, we we try not to be tit for tat. You know, I think it's really important not to like you had four hours and so I get four hours or you get that 
second date this week and I didn't get the second dates or, mm-hmm. um, which is it, a natural feeling, right? Yeah. It's something we have to fight constantly. Mm-hmm. You know, even if it's just in my head, I can't necessarily, you know, I, we, we can't keep the score because then you're, then you start feeling bad or right. feeling guilty. Right. So to me, it sounds like a lot more work and a lot more stress. And I'm curious it seems obviously you stuck with it and didn't revert back. Does it? Does the dynamic work better than it worked when you were swinging? Uh, I think that we probably should answer this separately. But like for me, absolutely. Like, well, for- to be clear, you're not swinging at all anymore. Like you have your primary relationship, and then you have your other relationships, and that's it. I mean, there was a few months in there that we thought we would continue swinging, especially in the beginning. We even went to the club once. I think we went on one date. It was um, something that we hadn't given up completely. It's something that just kind of went wayside. And uh, mm-hmm. and then we had the conversation kind of later in the year. You know, I don't think we're going to do this anymore. We never really identified as swingers. It was a good description of what we were doing, but it wasn't really part of our identity. Mm-hmm. But um, Yeah, so for you... For me, Polly works for me a lot better for for a few reasons. Um, first, I always felt like in swinging dynamics, uh, where it was Taylor and I and another couple, um, I always really enjoyed the time leading up to when everyone starts having sex. Like I, I, I enjoyed the lead up, mm-hmm. and it always felt like everyone else was on like this time schedule to like start having sex as quickly as possible. And that made me really uncomfortable. And it, it, it meant that I had not as good of a connection as I wanted. It also meant that I was getting less of what I found valuable and what I enjoyed about it. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause you liked the conversation and the flirting and like that point. Yeah. Parts leading up to it too. Right. Right. So swinging wasn't, wasn't the perfect form of non-monogamy for those reasons. The other thing is that, uh, Taylor and I met very young and we hadn't had much dating experience. And so to, to be able to experience dating, I mean, and internet dating wasn't a thing when we got together. And so like to be able to experience that was very fun and rewarding in certain ways. Um, I mean, the, the other aspect of why this is better than swinging for me is for me is my relationship. Like my relationship is amazing. And I enjoy having sex with someone that I have a really deep connection with much more than I enjoy having sex with someone that I don't have a deep connection with. Mm-hmm. And I now have another person in my life that's really amazing. And, and that's, that's yeah. super valuable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm the most content I've ever been in my entire life. Yeah. That's awesome. That's amazing. So and how about you, Taylor? So for me, the swing worked pretty well. Um, mainly because I was the person pushing toward the bedroom first, <laughs> always pulling Ryan along. And, um, but Polly has been really nice too. You know, I, not, I didn't really need the super deep connection for the sex part, but I've really enjoyed having a deep connection with other people, mm-hmm. you know, Ryan and I, our orbits are the same. Like we have the same friends, you know, we, we obviously have the same family. We have everybody in our life. We're both connected to, you know, in, in similar ways or same level. Mm-hmm. So now we finally have these connections that are not in this, you know, 
obviously we know each other's partners. Uh, we know our metamors, but we don't, um, you know, our connections are not the same. His is obviously much deeper than my connection. Right. With you know, mine's yeah. just on a friendly level. His is a relationship level and, mm-hmm. you know, vice versa. So it's nice for me to have relationships that are important to me that are not, that are not just Brian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, one of the big um, trends of this year and Polly versus Swain is that Polly has forced us to be individuals And since we got married so young and we've been together for so long, we had started acting as a couple and have sort of had sort of lost our sense of identity. Not that we're not unified in most situations in most situations, but you know, even our hobbies behave the same, you know, and and for lots of people, especially monogamous folks, that's great, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's like, reestablishing ourselves as individuals has been nice as well. Yeah. I mean, you find that sense of independence too, or not that you didn't have it before, but maybe not, it was not as prevalent. You find the strength in yourself and not to be so dependent on somebody else for your strength. Right. So I'm curious then, and this is like a little more of a specific question, but when I would assume one of you or have either of you arrived at the first time you told another person that you love them? And what, what was that like? Cause I think that's something that would be, I mean, that's a, that's a scary thing to come to the realization I imagine. Yeah. So I, so let me just say like before, so Taylor was the first for that to happen. But I think before Taylor said that, like, I had been pondering for a long time, like, what love, like, Polly had made me think about this a lot. Like, what does love mean? What does it mean to love someone? And I feel like in the monogamous world, uh, people sometimes sort of simplify it to being like this binary attribute. You either love someone or you don't, and you can only love a single person. Mm-hmm. And I reject that. Like, that's just totally wrong because if you if you go by that premise, then you know the first time I said I, I love Taylor, I must have been lying because I love her more today than the first time I said that. And how do you reconcile those two things? The only way you can reconcile those two things is to say that love is diverse and has different forms and has different uh, magnitudes. Mm-hmm. So you have, I guess, to answer his question directly, you have reached that point. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, we both reached that point. Um, different times. I mean, my triad relationship is complex. And I know I first I didn't want to be the pusher in this situation. You know, and mm-hmm. I'm so, it's so, so difficult for me not to push. But I'm like, this is the one thing that I cannot do. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't want to push this L word upon anyone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it took... It took longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I have this moment that I was like in the laundry room and folding clothes. And obviously I was like thinking about this whole love situation and Ryan comes by and he looks at me. And he's like, you know, he asked me about like my date the night before. And he's like, you know, you're in love with them. <laughs> and I looked at him like, no, no, I'm not. That's not happening. Like, this is not what's supposed to be happening. He's like, he's like, I know you are, you don't have to say it, but I know you are. 
And, you know, and I, that was the first time I tried to, like, I actually admitted it to myself, like, yeah. silently. Yeah. You know, and I sat there and, like, cried in the laundry room or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and because, because I've been with Ryan so long, he's actually really helped me with my dynamic with um, my relationship with them. You know, because he can read me so well. Mm-hmm. And he sees me every day. He doesn't just see me weekly for a... Right. A date. You know, if he right. sees me every day, he can see my emotions every day. He can tell if I'm moping around or if I'm like floating on air. Yeah. You know, he, he knows what I'm feeling. And for him to tell me like, that's, that's what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a big moment. I still had to wait a few months, I believe, but <laughs> you know, eventually happened. For, for me, one of the interesting things was, uh, when I realized that I was in love, I felt a huge guilt associated Mm -hmm. with it. And Mm -hmm. I had, and I had to like, I had to process like the guilt of loving someone else. Mm -hmm. And that, cause you felt like it was betraying your wife. Like, you know, in a way that's what we're, that's what we're taught. Right. Even though this was negotiated and she is on the same page and, but yeah, there, there was, there was guilt. Mm -hmm. You know, that's something that we used to, in the beginning days of us dating separately, we just try to put rules on each other, you know, and if you read all the poly books are like, you know, rules are bad, but rules make you feel secure. <laughs> so it's kind of like a, a back and forth, you know, like playing with yourself and playing with your comfortable with, and you have to mind the gap of like what you, you want to be this perfect poly person, but you're also not always capable of it, mm-hmm. you know? So you, sometimes you need to say no or put a rule or ask for something, um, in return, and that's been, it's been interesting. You know, there's, I want to make sure that the audience realizes that it was a year full of conversation and a year full of growth. And, but it was a year for the betterment of our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, this was a change that we made permanently. We had a, a point near to the end of the year that, you know, not that we had any kind of like veto rule, mm-hmm. you know, like in poly people, they have a veto rule. Like if I, you need to bring up with your girlfriend now, mm-hmm. you know, cause I don't like her or she did this to me or whatever. And, and then in turn we would, you know, like both break up with partners. Yeah. But I had a moment that was like, not that we ever had that rule in place, but we had a point of no return. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a point that like, even if I broke up with my partners, I could never ask that. Of him. Of right. him. Right. Because mm-hmm. I know that would break his heart. Right. And, you know, breaking his heart would hurt our relationship. Yeah. You know, because I know that his relationship with his girlfriend makes him happy and makes him a better person. And it doesn't take anything away from me. Right. You know, which was a really hard lesson to learn. Like, just because it's a little bit of time yeah. doesn't mean it actually take. you know, it's not really taking anything from me. Right. I get a couple less cucumber slices, but whatever. <laughs> but I get some grapes now that I never, you know, I didn't get as much grapes before. Right. Yeah. He only has two grapes, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you are always one to come in and try well, to like I'm, right? I'm just stating facts. <laughs> So, I get back to my... And, uh, Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> so, was it... I mean, it sounds like it was a... Again, you talked about the guilt. Like, it was hard for you to come to that realization. Maybe not hard to come to it, but hard to vocalize it because you didn't want to hurt the other person. I guess, 
on the receiving end, was it hard for the for you to hear like my partner's in love with somebody else and reconciling what that meant? So to answer the first part of your question, uh, I wouldn't say it was completely easy to realize that I'm in love. Like that's not like something that I have experience with other than falling in love with Taylor, you know, 14 years ago or (laughs) whenever that was. Um, The second part of your question, uh, as far as like when I realized that that story that Taylor said about uh, me telling her that she's in love. No, I, I I felt compersion. I felt it, it didn't, I had already reconciled the fact that love is comes in various degrees. And, and so the fact that she was in love with them, I honestly didn't feel like it was any threat to our relationship. I, I, I knew that like the fact that she loved Elizabeth and Jake, honestly, it had no risk to me. Like I, I knew that that wasn't going to negatively impact our relationship. And I didn't just logically know that I, I emotionally knew that. So it, it didn't pose any challenge at all for me. But that's my story. <laughs> and I I admit to being the more sensitive one in this situation. Ryan, compersion comes easily for him. Mm-hmm. And um, he he's always enjoyed seeing me happy. Right? And I don't get compersion as easily. I have... A little more jealousy. I have a little more jealousy. I have way more insecurity. Mm-hmm. And all of that comes out, like, every tiny insecurity. that Stuff that I didn't really matter when it was swinging or when I we were monogamous. Seeing, seeing little things that would happen, like, this love one, this love word was probably a, it was a scarier more than an insecurity because mm-hmm. I had seen I'd seen in the love before too. I just didn't tell him in the laundry room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so seeing the, the insecurities came up fast was like, you know, you start going down a rabbit hole. Yeah. You know, you start asking yourself, Oh my God, he's in love with another woman. That means he's definitely going to leave me. Right. She's this and this and this, and mm-hmm. I'm not this, this and this. And I had to stop myself from spiraling, yeah. you know, and that's, that's constant battle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've gotten way better at it. Well, that's you know? something you said, like you told me or, um, that early on you, like when you were home alone, that was a time where you would start to spiral and like do facials and stuff and have, or take a bath and then think like, oh no, am I just doing this because I'm trying to make myself look prettier for Ryan? And like just the crazy self-talk that you sometimes can't control. Right. You know, I, we had a, I especially had to learn to be alone Mm -hmm. and I am a hyper social person (laughs) and if you happen to know me (laughs) and so if there is somebody to talk to, I am talking to them. Uh But when Ryan was out on dates, I was all of a sudden alone, which in the early, which I've gotten more and more comfortable with, you know, Mm -hmm. I learned that I could just go to sleep (laughs) and not really think about it. But in the early days, um, Jake and Elizabeth would actually like Skype call me. Mm-hmm. Every single day he was out, mm-hmm. you know, just so I had somebody to talk to because yeah. I knew I needed that support. Yeah. And, you know, in a way, if that wasn't going to work out with Ryan going out, if mm-hmm. I wasn't going to be able to handle that, yeah. they weren't going to see me as often. Right. You know, that's just the truth of the matter. Yeah. No, I mean, one, one thing that I would say that, like, just to elaborate on what you said, one of the really awesome things about Polly for us has been that 
we have more support in our lives. Mm-hmm. We have more loved ones. We have more people that we can lean on. Right. And, and that, that's been really great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we have, um, we have a polycule, <laughs> you know, I call it the cool cule. <laughs> Nobody really likes that name. Um, <laughs> You're about to get voted out. <laughs> I know. I'm going to get voted off the cool island. And then, you know, and like this year we've been super social. Like we've been camping and have dinners and we spent like New Year's Eve together. Like we had a, we have a social life with our polycule, which is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and that's part of the swinging thing that I, I missed, but yeah. we also know each other on a very deep level, mm-hmm. you know? So it's, it's hanging out with more mm-hmm. like, open friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Ryan, yeah. like you said, like you have that su- more support than you might, than, a- yeah, I'd say, I'd say it's a little bit of a trade off. Like with swinging, we were going out more and meeting new people and meeting new people is really fun mm-hmm. swinging. Like just having those conversations and learning who these people are and socializing, uh, and we don't get that anymore, but we get something else instead. And that's, these deeper friendships that are a big part of our lives. Yeah. Do you think you'll ever get back to where you want to go and meet people in a swinging sense or have you, I, I, I would never say never personally. Like I'll answer that for myself. I, it does not sound appealing to me right now. That being said, like the future is a long time <laughs> and I'm certainly open to it. Just, yeah, five years ago, you never would have thought. Yeah, you I mean, you're right. Not at all. <laughs> this, like, the socialness of being around sexually open people is super appealing. You know, I even took my triad to a Halloween party. You know, because they'd only been to like one other party besides the one we met to. And I'm like, just, you know what? Just to be clear, a, Holly, a Halloween swinger party. A Halloween swinger party. You know, yeah. I'm like, I just wanted to see that environment again. Uh huh. You know, and it wasn't quite the right environment, I don't think, but it was still fun to dress up. Yeah. And meet people, be social. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have another question, which is good because that's our job. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of times people say, like, when they start swinging that, like, you say, well, what's the thing that has impacted your relationship or how has it impacted your relationship? And it's always oh, the sex is way better than we've ever had. Our, we're having more sex. We're having better sex. Mm-hmm. It's always about that piece of it. And the communication. And that the too. communication, but, yeah, so now that you've... Cause, and I think you probably said something very similar a year ago when we said, well, you know, how did swinging impact your relationship? Well, we're having way more sex and we're communicating better. How, how did the poly transition or being poly... How is that impacting your relationship? Sex and communication wise? <laughs> or just in, in general. In general. Well, I, well I'll, I'll hit on those two points. Sex wise, uh, we have the same, if not more, sex total, but some of that's shared with other people. Some of that's not each other. Yeah, we have our same sex drives, just, you know, some of it's instead of once a month sharing with somebody else, it's like once a week we get to share it with somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, our drives are still the same. As far as communication goes, I think that Polly is more has more challenges on communication. Um, I think it requires the same level of communication that swinging does. The thing that I have had difficulty with, and it goes back to sort of that kind of codependency relationship model, and swinging the codependency 
and I, I'm using the word codependency very loosely here, but uh, in swinging, that's totally fine. And because you're a unit, you are you, codependent you, you, on you're, each you're other. You're a single unit in the swinging world, and you get to communicate about what's happening to your unit, mm-hmm. and uh, and it sort of makes it so that it's once you get to that point in the swinging world where you're navigating the swinging world together, communication becomes really easy because you're in it together. And the only sort of variables that you need to communicate about are who you found attractive or do you want to spend more time with these people or that, that sort of thing. And the answers to that are usually very well received. If, if Taylor said to me like, Oh yeah, he was really hot. And I said, Oh, she was really hot too no problem or vice versa. If it was the other way, like those types of things aren't challenging in the poly dynamic. We've learned that, uh, you know, I'll go out on a date with my girlfriend and something will happen and I'll come home and Taylor will be half asleep and maybe not in the best mood. And it might not be the best time to tell her absolutely everything. Mm -hmm. Like, so there, there's a lot of, rolling things out and choosing when to tell your partner about something and because you are acting as an individual and not as a unit. You're not in the moment together as much. Yeah. You're not in your non-monogamous moments together. So sometimes I would, especially early on, I would have a rough night and I'm like, I don't, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear anything. It's not, we didn't have, I want, I want to eventually hear it all, but I can't do it right now. Yeah. You know, and that never happens swinging. Right. Right. Because you were all, yeah, you were together in that yeah, unit. And, you know, we've, so. had, we've had to learn, like, what makes each other sensitive, you know? And it's mas- both, mostly based on our insecurities. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I never, I'm not going to say anything, actually. But, like, if there's something Ryan is insecure about, I I probably have tested the waters on talking about it before. But, you know, he he has said to me, yeah, that doesn't make me really feel very good. And I don't really need to know that. Yeah. You yeah. know? And so I don't. Well, you don't want to make him. I will always tell him what he wants to know. Yeah, we we right? ju- we've just learned that there are th- in this dynamic there are things that unimportant things to be clear that are best maybe not shared. But I mean, just to be very clear, like unimportant things. The important things we communicate everything openly and quickly. Right, right. And not that if I had asked, if I asked an enthusiastic, I want to know, I want to know, he would tell me. Yeah, absolutely, Anything, Anything, everything, everything. So it's not like the communication is somehow cut off, or we're not holding back, or we're not being secretive. But we're just trying to, you know, we hold each other's hearts. We, we're trying to protect each other and hold each other's hearts gently. Right. You know, and, and sometimes our hearts are beating fast and we can handle it. And yeah. it's, and sometimes it's challenging. It's, it's sort of, it's so easy to burden your partner with everything that, you know, to just like share everything. And in a swinging dynamic, uh, usually that's fine. Usually there's nothing that like you're burdening them with, mm-hmm. but in poly sometimes, you know, sometimes I'd rather not know. And you don't want to know about the cucumbers. <laughs> right Um, (laughs) it's gonna be a theme throughout the whole thing if anyone hasn't figured that out already (laughs) um how has it has it changed at all in the way you're out in your life like to other friends and family yeah um there's one obvious example that comes to my mind, which is uh, 
we decided to out ourselves to my best friend. And uh, when we were swinging, we had considered telling him what's going on because we had some really cool stories, not even sexual stories, but cool stories that are hard to explain without the explanation of like, oh, there's some non-monogamy involved here. Mm-hmm. And so there was like a good motivation to, to share, but we were worried about it. And then we didn't want to answer questions either. Yeah. And then why'd you go across the country to wine taste? I don't know. Um, <laughs> why'd you fly to South America to wine taste? Right. <laughs> like we want people to answer that question. Yeah. Um, but then, uh, in Polly, uh, the, the need to share has grown. I feel like, um, because I want my girlfriend to be able to hang out with my best friend. Like that's kind of obvious, but like that necessitates. Your girlfriend also lives in the same town we do. So I, one of my rules was like, you guys live in the same town. You need to go to a different town to go on your dates because you're going to run into somebody. And then like one of my, or one of our circle of friends is going to like call me or family is going to call me saying Ryan's out cheating on you or what, you know? And I just, and we've had close calls. I've been on dates. (laughs) I've been on dates and spotted multiple times. Right. So me driving far away, I don't really have this issue. Yeah. Yeah. But you haven't been (laughs) called out yet. No, no. I mean, it's, I mean, yeah, it's been explainable and Mm -hmm. and more distant connections. So hasn't been someone close and it hasn't been something unexplainable, but it's, it's been a little scary. Yeah. So you've come out to your best friend and you, um, that went well, right? Yeah, that went really well. He, he thought that, uh, he thought we were going to tell him something really scary, like maybe we were moving or something like that. <laughs> um, so he was like, oh, this isn't a big deal. And mm-hmm. uh, and that's been great because, like, you know, a week ago we had a dinner party and our entire polycool was there and my best friend and his wife and other people, too. You know, they, and, they wanted to know the people who were important to us. Right. And that was great. You know, they yeah. wanted to, they're like, if you have somebody important to you, we want to know who they are. Yeah. You know? How How is it affected... Or has it changed at all in terms of, like, talking with your your kids about it? Because I know that's something at least a lot of people in the swinging world don't typically tell their kids that they're going to orgies and whatnot. <laughs> right. I mean, some do. Don't We're not judging. I but think it also depends on the age level. <laughs> I, we're going to, you know, we keep everything age appropriate. Um, it, they obviously don't need to know about our sex life, but they do, you know, Ryan and I go out on separate nights, so when Ryan is out, we, we market it to the kids. As, it's Mommy's night. Mommy's going to do something fun with you. You get, like, Mommy tension all night. You know, and the same with Daddy's night. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our poly it's, it's actually, children are getting to know each other. Mm-hmm. and It's actually been good for our kids in that they get really excited about the dedicated attention because it kind of, like, it sets a bar for, like, Oh, this is going to be like quality time. Yeah. And, and, and like with one of you focused on them yeah. for the, for the evening. Right. And, and we focus on them those evenings rather than dealing with our hectic normal lives. Yeah. And one of the things we, you know, we had to like really balance with our Google calendar was how many nights do we get to go out alone? How often are family nights? How often do we, you know, we have special events that are built into there. Or your date nights together. And our date nights together. And we have to be very diligent to balance it all. Yeah. You know, because sometimes things can get wacky and then we start feeling bad. We're like, oh man, we haven't 
spent enough time together, but our kids are also need more family time. And, you know, we're the one constantly thing, balancing. The one thing we've noticed is that our calendar is so full that it's normally fine. Like, like having a busy schedule is normally fine. Like, you know, two nights are family nights. We have mama's mommy's night, daddy's night, et cetera, et cetera. Normally that goes great. What the problem with it is when there's a wrinkle in your plan, when somebody gets sick mm-hmm. or something unexpected happens, there's, there's so much less buffer in our schedule like, to like absorb the shock. What gives? We were like, well, everything's important. Yeah. Like, like do, <laughs> do I cancel my date with my girlfriend? Does Taylor cancel her date? Does, do we cancel our date? Like it's, it's just, there's so many more interdependencies and so much, less room for error. I mean, that's why I like color code everything. So I can like turn it on and off and see like, well, it was kind of concentrated here so we can give here. And (laughs) I mean, I, I, I spent too much time staring at that thing. (laughs) (laughs) Which you probably never thought you would, right? No. (laughs) And you mentioned that your polycule kids are getting to know each other. Uh, Has that been smooth for the most part? Um, they kind of, vary in age a, a bit not a huge range but i mean just to be clear it's not like they think that there's anything special about these kids they're just other friends right they're no just but, friends. but they're just dinner learning. party friends that's right. all they are and but they're being more social and meeting new friends and mm-hmm. that's they, they, a they, good thing right yeah they have they have a lot of friends in their lives and mm-hmm. they don't think of these friends as being particularly special or anything they're just more friends yeah right so one, one thing that we we often try to bring up and is the the topic around you know your, your sexual health, sexual safety, and how you navigate that? Has it has it shifted since you moved from swinging to poly in terms of what the way that you practice safer sex or or I guess practice sex? I mean, we're always practicing <laughs> half sex. <laughs> yeah, the way you do it. <laughs> We've practiced and succeeded twice. Yeah. <laughs> That's all we ever need to know, right? <laughs> um, we that was a uh, a communication thing we had a a, a lot of communication about um, whether or not uh, to become fluid bonded. That's such a, that's the term often used in the poly community to mean dropping condoms for. For penetrative sex. Mm-hmm. Although there's some ambiguity. Some people think that like if you have oral sex without a condom, that makes you fluid bonded. And who am I to judge? That's a perfectly valid definition as well. <laughs> but but in your case... You're... And, and in our case, I mean, in the swinging dynamic, we always use condoms for penetration. And we never use condoms for anything else. We always wanted our partners to be tested and shared our test results. But yeah, Polly's different. Um, we... Started off with basically the same rules, the, doing it the same way, but it evolved. It evolved. Um, yeah, it was one of those very difficult um, things that I asked for, mm-hmm. and that I was hard to ask for, and I knew it was going to be extremely hard for Ryan to answer. Mm-hmm. You know, but you ask for what you want, and you get the answer you get. Yeah, and I I asked for it, um, and. Ryan had some um, requirements and basically testing, like make sure that there's current test results. And to be clear, you asked to be fluid bonded with your partners. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and um, so basically, uh, within our polycule, there aren't any barriers anymore, and everyone gets tested regularly. And as of right now, it's a closed system. There aren't uh, nobody's hooking up with randoms at bars, so we feel pretty safe in the dynamic. And but, our testing schedule is actually, um, it's it's for us, it's higher than it used to be. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's interesting because you would think if it's a closed system, I mean, what is the reason for continuing the testing? There's, Just to support the show using the Because <laughs> we, appreci- we appreciate it. But. Well, here's the thing, though. Like, there's links of trust. Like, like uh I can trust my partner that they've been tested and maybe that my partner's partner's been tested, but do I like each, each link that trust diminishes a little bit. So what about your partner's partner's partner? Like if you had a big polycule, like as it approaches infinity, like the trust goes to zero eventually. And so Ryan and I are near the center of our polycule, (laughs) not nor toward the end, but the two ends need to like, so I mean, Trust. To, to, they to know be, each other though. To be perfectly <laughs> honest, it, it, it's mostly paranoia at this point. Like sure. there, there isn't really a logical reason for it. And if the situation was going to stay exactly the way it is forever, like we probably would say, "Yeah, let's just stop." But the situation's always evolving. Like, mm-hmm. like partners of partners might decide to go on a date, or like you never know. Yeah. Like, well, and you've had that happen. Some of your partners have decided to date, right? So, like, at different times. So, yeah, it's it's happened. it's not completely stable throughout time, and it just it makes things easier for everyone to have somewhat up to date test results. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, I, that's fair. I was just curious because I think some people looking in would be like, well, if you have a closed system, that's no different than me and Emma being monogamous. I mean, yeah. why, why continue to, to go through the trouble? But I think it goes back to, it's a trust thing and it's who knows what's happening outside of your control. You can't control other people. And all you can do is ask to, to keep the, the transparency there. Well, ultimately if it makes you feel better and sleep at night, why? I mean, I, I, I would say that, like, the barrier for getting tested is so low. It's not that expensive. It's no. not that big of a deal. It's, it's like, why not? And you can support not? the show. <laughs> we encourage it. I'm not, I'm not discouraging people from doing it. I was just curious because I think it's, it's important for people to hear how people in these dynamics approach it. I, I, you know, talking to other poly people, it, 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 it varies tremendously because... Everyone's risk tolerance is different. Everyone's dynamic is different. Some people have far more, some poly people have far more partners than we do. And it's closed systems. (laughs) So our polycule of approximately six right now, like that's tiny compared to lots of polycules where if you charted it out and all of its links, like there are polycules in California that are like mind boggling large. <laughs> like not that everyone in that polycule would consider that to be one polycule, but, right. but that there are links that connect them, you know? Yeah. So maybe, maybe getting close to, to wrapping up, I'm curious, do you feel either of you have the capacity to take on additional partners? No, <laughs> for me, my triad keeps me very busy. And, and fulfilled. And fulfilled. And, you know, we have kids. And, I was going to say, your, oh. your triad plus your husband plus your yeah, kids. Yeah, right. And... It's, it's plenty of people in my life. 
to, to me, um, the only reason I would want to date someone else would be if I had excess time. And as it is right now, like, I would like to spend more time with my girlfriend than my schedule can afford me. So, like, the idea of that just sounds completely preposterous. Yeah. Yeah. Good question. You know, we're, we're, like, super happy and content with our lives right now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a nice, it's nice to feel like we're in a place that the transition's over. Yeah. Well, and that's very obvious to Finn and I, too, because we've, you know, we're friends and we've talked to you throughout the year and we could tell, and we've had some deep conversations with you, too, like we could tell there was a lot of things changing and, and moving and a lot of communication and emotions and, and I, seeing you now in person and spending a few days with you, it's, you can tell that you two are much more content and happy and just enjoying where you're at now than, than the last year. Than our frantic phone calls over <laughs> Skype thing. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, we were happy. Don't get me wrong. We were happy and content. Swing, Maybe not. Swing. Not content. We were happy swinging, but we, we tried something new and it worked out for the better for us. You know, this is not any kind of, like, advertisement that swiggers should become poly people. Like, absolutely not. But for us, it's just what's better. One of the things I will say that, speaking as sort of a new poly person that was a swinger, more or less, if you're going to use labels, it's frustrating to see the swinging community sort of demonize or otherize the poly community and vice versa. Like it happens both directions and it's ridiculous. Like there's, there's so much overlap and like, yeah. Well, and the percentage of non-monogamous people out there is relatively low or small. And we're ethically (laughs) non-monogamous. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Ethically non-monogamous people. And that's why we're doing the show. Why not support each other all of us like why does it have to be one against the other and have all these labels and sure there there are different ways to practice non-monogamy but find what works for you or maybe it works for you for a short time and then you change or whatever but why not support each other so i have i do have something kind of to say about this subject is that i feel like we everyone who's a polite person Mm -hmm. is able to say oh that's just not for me you know but then like kind of in their own head can go back and go like, Oh, they're crazy. Or, Oh, they're that, you know, yeah. can say negative things to themselves. you reinforce the negative thoughts within themselves, but just be polite about it in public. You know, I think we actually need to change our internal mind frame of it. Yes. On, you know, not having negative thoughts about people who are on, who are doing things differently than you. Yeah. That's very well said, you know, cause in, I, in I can see a swinger, you know, I mean, I was a swinger. I was a hardcore swinger for a couple of years. I know the mentality, you know, I know what it meant to feel like when I met a poly person, right. You know, what, what did I tell them to their face and what did I think to myself later? Right. You know, and I had to change my mind, my mind frame of how I even thought about it myself. Yeah. Well, maybe in, in a, not in an accusatory way, but we know you struggled with identifying as poly. Yeah. So part of my, one of my big things that Ryan and I, you know, had a ton of conversations about was I was doing the poly thing. I was, we were dating separately. 
I would not use the word four months. I was like, I am not Polly. I'm not putting a label on myself. This is not happening like this. I wouldn't use the word because I hadn't changed my mind about it internally. Mm-hmm. I couldn't say it out loud. And it took time. It took a lot of time. I even, I even put it off on Elizabeth and Jake and I'm like, you know, this is not what we're doing. We don't have to label this blah, blah, blah. You know, and they, they were following my lead on it. So I had to like, it took a lot of convincing by Ryan and a lot of like, you're making me feel like I'm doing poly and you're not, but by not using this word. And I think that was starting to hurt him. Definitely. And like, you're being something different than I am. And, you know, but we are doing this poly thing together, quote unquote. Yeah. You're so doing, you, so you need thing. to use the language. You, words matter. Yeah. You know? I I think uh, one of the examples I've seen in the poly community, I haven't been to many poly parties, but I I know people that go to poly parties and they they have house parties where a whole bunch of poly people go and they have sex with each other and people that they might have just met at the party. Yet they will not use the word swear. They are not swears. But that is... But that's like the definition of swearing. Like, and so it's... The distinctions, like, we need to be a little bit more just... Accepting of each other? Yeah, and not so quick to label. Yeah. yeah. That's why I didn't want to label myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why you were struggling with it, right? Right. But, I mean, to, at a point that I, I had to change my, you know... Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we covered some pretty good ground tonight, and that includes the three-hour prep conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but thank you, you can, for thank you for working through what we were going to say on this podcast with us beforehand because you know Ryan and I have lived this whole thing for a year and it's not like we have an elevator speech about this. We don't have to talk to other couples about yeah, our that's, story. That's, that's a really good point. Like in the swinging world, like you you get used to telling people about what's been like every every single your day, pitch. every first day, you tell them your story. Yeah, we haven't told anybody our story, so uh, that's why we're thankful until now. Yeah, we're <laughs> thankful for your podcast because we're able to tell our whole story and not the whole thing because that would take days and days. <laughs> but you know, we were able to like actually process it together while you guys watched us process mm-hmm. before we started playing the play button. <laughs> well, actually we, we recorded it and for $500 a month on our Patreon. Page, <laughs> you, can, you can listen to that. It's three and a half hours long. <laughs> we didn't actually record it unless you were recording a secret. We really make jokes really hard. <laughs> no, I don't. Yeah, you do. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> So, yeah, well, I mean, thank you both again for for coming on the show our very first day and 364 days later coming on again. So we really appreciate it. In person this time. In person. Yay, in person. No Wi-Fi connection issues. I know. <laughs> and I don't know where you'll be in a year, but we'll do it again on, I guess it'll have to be April 30th. Oh, yeah. Good call. So, we'll see you guys then. Yes, thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks. And thanks for coming down to Argentina, too. I have to say that. It's been so fun to have them here. It's been awesome to have an excuse to come to Argentina. (laughs) Okay. Let's go to sleep. (laughs) No, let's go to dinner. It's Argentinian time. Yeah, (laughs) true. 
So thank you to Taylor and Ryan. For <laughs> <laughs> They're going to hate you. Yeah, that's all right. For coming on the show. and Well, and for being just really open and honest. They have obviously been through a lot in the last year and really challenged their relationship to new levels, I think, and, and the communication and... And, and it, grew as people. Yeah, and grew as people. And it was really wonderful to share the time recording that with them. And uh, the whole weekend, we talked a lot about everything before we recorded, too. And we drank a lot of wine. Drank a lot of wine. And, yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Okay, we need to stop thanking them. Next week. I got an itch. Okay, I'm done itching. I think we've officially wrapped up the one-year anniversary episode the thank yous we'll end the whole episode yeah so next week we've got back to your regular regularly scheduled programming well, this was regularly scheduled yeah, i know but this was a special one so we have a couple brock and jamie actually his full name is brock hard <laughs> i learned that when we added them on kick i thought that was my that's actually my favorite name so anyway we've got brock hard and jamie <laughs> Super awesome people. Yeah. So they reached out. They were just listeners. Found them on the Instagram. They're awesome. So thank you to them. And maybe next week we will tell you about a few more changes we've got coming this year that are awesome and super duper cool. Don't look at me like that. We've been talking about this for weeks and months. All right. We'll see everybody in a week. One quick thing just before we go. Go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Send us an email, reach out, or use one of the links if you want to on the resources page. And you can send a thank you note to Taylor and Ryan if you want, and we'll, <laughs> we'll forward it along. <laughs> All right. Bye, okay, guys. Okay, bye, everyone.